0: Well, after thinking through our five questions about the righteousness of God, I want to finish up this morning by thinking through just a few out of a number of possible implications that I think flow from these verses. One of the things that I think we need to take away from these verses is the finished, completed nature of what Christ has done on the cross and which the various images that we've considered help us to see. Because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, all of which are completed past tense historical actions we have been justified we've been brought into a right standing with God that was settled at the cross further we have been redeemed bought with a price namely Christ's blood that transaction has been concluded still further the perfectly understandable and justifiable anger of God over our sin has been fully addressed and assuaged or dissipated at the cross and more could be said But just those three images are all sending a common signal, namely, that the work of Christ is a finished work. To be sure, it has an ongoing aspect to it in the way that it is applied and worked out and lived out over the course of a person's life, but all of that is flowing out of something that is over and done, completed. When Christ on the cross, before he died, said, it is finished, he meant it. Which means, pastorally speaking, If the righteousness that God grants to us by faith is grounded upon the cross of Christ, if it is founded on that, then it is secure. It is absolutely secure and unassailable, cannot be lost or undone, and your salvation is tied to that. And it means we can have confidence in that. It means our hope and faith are tethered to a sure thing, to something that cannot be reversed and cannot be undone. A second thing that I would draw your attention to, is how these verses really serve to humble us before God, both because of the monergistic nature of what God has done at the cross and simply because of the sheer costliness of our salvation. Now, monergistic simply means a work that is done by one person. Such is our salvation. We've been justified because God determined to make it so. We are redeemed because God paid a ransom by sending His own Son. God's wrath has been addressed because God decided to do something about it, and did, right? So the the whole thing is monergistic, which means, among other things, that the whole thing is quite a humbling exercise, isn't it? And it is humbling not only because of its monergistic nature, but because of the sheer costliness of the whole thing, exacting nothing less than the blood of God's own incarnate Son, the second person of the Trinity. That is an incalculable, infinite cost, I mean, if you've ever had somebody give you something really nice and, and you somehow discover how much they personally sacrificed, how much it cost them to do that, and I mean, maybe you weren't supposed to know, but somehow you found out anyway. And you, you find out this great cost that they went to and you think, oh no, that's, that's too much. You shouldn't have. Right? I mean, it's humbling that someone would go to such lengths for you. Well, that is what your Father in Heaven has done and at a price you cannot possibly grasp. And so it's a very humbling thing, and yet paradoxically, it's also deeply affirming and oddly dignifying for us as creatures. To return to the example just used, if you've ever had one of those occasions where someone did do something insanely nice and generous and sacrificial towards you, and you find yourself fumbling for words in a pitiful attempt at saying thank you, and the person just looks at you and says, hey, you know what? I love you. I I just love you. If you've ever been on the receiving end of that, then you know what that can do for a person. And that's just between mere people. But how much more affirming is it when the cost is the Son of God and the person who paid the price is your Creator and He says that He did it because He loves you. How affirming is that? As one writer says, Forgiveness on cheaper terms would have meant God's abandonment of his faithful love for man and the annihilation of man's real dignity as his morally accountable creature. God does not insult or mock his creature by pretending that his sin does not matter, but rather himself bears the full cost of forgiving it righteously, lovingly. The manner in which God has saved us by gifting us with his costly righteousness is both the most humbling thing that could ever happen to us and at the same time the most affirming and dignifying thing that could ever happen. And the last thing to see which we've seen before and which flows out of what was just said but it bears repeating is that in and through all these images of what was happening at the cross we see how God has not merely saved us and forgiven us by means of some sort of sheer declaration or by just looking the other way, or by a kind of cosmic blowing things off. God didn't do that. God didn't just save us. He saved us rightly. He did it with full integrity, with every part of Him, His love and mercy and justice and goodness, in full agreement, with no compromise, with nothing left unaddressed, or not dealt with, with no loose ends. Our salvation is not the result of the capricious, whimsical, unpredictable God, but rather the result of the actions of a God who does everything well and out of the coordinated, intentional movement of His infinitely deep character and person. Which is another reason why your salvation is so sure and so secure. And why Paul, in this same letter, will exclaim later on, Um, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are the Lord's, then your salvation and future and hope are that secure. There is no circumstance, no set of circumstances, no matter how hard or relentless or overwhelming or non-stop, no hardship, no illness, no cancer, no loss, nothing can loosen you from His grip. Praise God for that.